0: music mm-hmm.
1: Hey, and we got Roy Neuenhausen
2: over there. Nuhausen, what I always throw that in. I don't that? know, man. <laughs> no, but how you doing, guys? I'm doing
0: fine, it's been an exciting week, and I tell you what, we're looking forward to today's episode. Yeah, we're going to be talking with Rich Jensen. Rich Jensen has been on there. Well, he's been on a role for many years, and that's uh, a role that's taken him uh, around a couple of different mats, including now at Clackamas Community College. Uh-huh. Uh, he ended up in a championship uh, wrestling episode on the mats in Minnesota. And Rich also was a, well, he was the topic of a 30 for 30 by ESPN. So, also the author of a book. We, uh, proprietor of a thriving business if you will and uh it's been nothing but a joy to talk with and learn more about over the last four years for myself so rich how you doing sir
3: good how you doing man thanks for the call not too
0: bad we're uh on the old fart and i've got my two wet ones here with me i got p huff on one side and roar dog on the other so we're going to give you a uh we're going to take you to the mat and see how you do against three guys. How's that? <laughs> I, How's
3: it I love it, man. You yeah. know, that that's great. Yep, an old fart got back on the mat. Yeah. Everybody look out. Yeah, totally.
0: <laughs> hey, Rich, uh, we have all watched the episode, and uh, we pretty much are just going to let you rip and, and roar on it. And, uh, of course, with Roar Dog being here, that's apropos. But, but yeah, just go ahead and give us your story.
3: Sure, you bet. Yeah, it's, it's already a rare, uh, very rare story. You know, a 38-year-old makes a comeback in college in wrestling, you know, mm-hmm. or any sport for that matter. Sure. Um, but, uh, you know, I was a wrestler in high school, and, you know, I loved the sport. It was something that really helped me stay focused, gave me motivation, and really kept me engaged in school. And I think wrestling became the vehicle that helped me get through high school. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was the, that was the, uh, the secret medicine for me when i but when i graduated i felt a little lost and and uh without without that team environment and i i went off uh fishing in alaska and you know a young kid with uh, low self esteem and nothing got up there with all the manly men and a um, a culture and a lifestyle that's just really really tough and um there's a lot of money fast and And a lot of drugs and a lot of alcohol
4: up there. Something that I never
0: thought about until I saw the episode the other day. And sorry to to butt in on you there, Rich. But uh, a lot of us have seen the episodes of The Deadliest Catch. Is that something that is a real-life episode in the way you saw things? And did you know any of the people that we see either on the show or in past episodes?
3: Yes, I know some of the boats that are in there. As far as the seamen and the deckhands and all that, uh, those names and faces have changed, but I know some of the boats. You know, because I fished the Bering Sea. Sure. I fished commercial king crabbing. I know, uh, and it's exactly like that. It's um, it's a lot of, and back in the early uh, early uh, '90s, there was a lot less regulations, and you could fish longer and harder and catch more crab and fish. So it was a tough, tough lifestyle at that time. A lot less regulations than there are today. And what you don't see behind the scenes is some of us got caught up in drugs, you know, and I I personally was one of them. It's my story that I talk about, you know, I got, uh, got under the web of addiction and, and, uh, you know, a lot of money and a lot of drugs and found myself in a very tough spot for a lot of years because I couldn't figure out how to get clean i couldn't figure out how to get my feet on on the ground you know once i got rolling and and started using drugs the world changed for me you know it took me down a rabbit hole for 20 years and uh over that 20 years you know i pitched five or six years and then i was pretty unemployable because i was so loaded all the time Mm -hmm. and i spent 20 years in and out of jail and prison and homeless and you know my life was a disaster and um you know, it's a it's a it's a beast. Um, but, uh, you know, there's there's an end to everything. There's a bottom to everybody. You know, there's a point in your life where you realize that there's not much lower you can go. Sure. I 2003, I went to prison for a year. I got out and, and I was um, paroled to the Salvation Army homeless shelter, at 34 years old mm-hmm. with uh, the clothes on my back. And... <clears throat> And uh, you know, it, it it was a really, really humbling time in my life. It was a very eye-opening moment. And what I realized was that if I kept going down that road, I was going to end up in prison for a long time. And uh, I was able to get sober that in, in at that homeless shelter. I've been sober 17 years now, guys. Um, That's awesome. That good for you. That was that was a defining moment. It was. Uh, was realizing that, you know, um, addiction was beating me down. I was going to, if I continued, I was going to be dead or in prison for life. And I knew that, that, uh, you know, I had some good that I could do in the world. I knew that there was a better life out there. Um, And if I could uh, beat the addiction side of it, I figured I could go on and, and have a pretty decent life still. I wasn't, I was 34. I was still young. I was, um, but what I did is I got some help. I went to treatment, got into some uh, some mentoring programs and 12 step, and I made a run at it, guys. I stayed sober for two or three years, and then I got to thinking about what I needed. You know, I had a void inside of me uh, that I'd missed that boat to college, that I missed the college competition when I went off fishing, and, and you know it was like if I could be if I could go get an education. And if I could be part of an organized wrestling team again, I knew that my life would get better. And uh, deep down, I knew that wrestling would be the vehicle that was going to help me not only stay sober, but I was going to fill that void inside of me, that that what if, what could have been, and that has been. And those dreams I dreamed about so many times in that jail cell, about being in college and being on a team, I get... I get choked up because I spent uh, a lot of yeah, years wasted, man. Stuff. I've lived with a lot of regret, sure. Kevin. Sure. But, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to not only get clean, but um, go back to college at 37 years old and talk to the coach and the athletic director and say, I want to be on your wrestling team, you know? And uh, everybody thought I was kind of nuts, and nobody thought I had a chance at even making it through a couple weeks, let alone through a season or or even making the team, you know, the lineup.
0: Nobody believed you, but the most important thing is you did. Real quickly, I want to let all the people in the listening audience know that we're talking with Rich Jensen, and if you're unfamiliar with the story about Rich, all you need to do is just go ahead and and, uh, look on YouTube, and you'll be able to find Rich's story. And uh, it's one that he's going to continue to tell us as we have him on the air. But his name is Rich Jensen, and it's J-E-N-S-E-N. And uh, I've known Rich for about four or five years now. And uh, once I learned about his story, I've become enamored with the guy and uh, uh, just continue letting us know what's going on, Rich. Appreciate it.
3: Yeah, so, you know, I was 37 years old, getting on the college wrestling team. I was 10 years older than the coaches, 20 years older than all the Athletes around the nation, and you know, I, I went on to the team, and and I, what I was trying to do is win my life back. It was much bigger than wrestling, you know, much bigger than getting a win in the circle. And so I was there with a purpose. I knew the ve- that it would be the vehicle that would help me get where I wanted to be. So I took a whole year of 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 of, of ass weapons, you know. I lost 15, 16 matches in you know, a whole year, and I won two, but I made it through the season and my life was getting better and I was staying sober and I was getting an education at Clackamas Community College. And, you know, what I realized was that this was my one, one moment in my life, one commitment I made that I wanted to follow through with and one thing that I dreamed about my whole life. And so I fought through all them losses as hard as it was to get up in the morning as hard as it was to look at my teammates in the, you know, at practice after taking so many losses, as hard as it was physically to get up in the morning and look at myself in the mirror. I knew that if I could just follow this, see this through, that that it would be um, life changing for me. I knew it. And uh, so, you know, at the end of the first season, I decided to train all summer. I moved out in Clackamas and I, I moved into this guy's garage. I trained all summer twice a day and I, cinched up my diet i lost another 20 pounds through the summer and i basically came into the second season at clackamas in tip-top shape when everybody else was just getting started batting out of shape so i started the season off in great shape great conditioning and i started winning and um with those wins gained some self-esteem and gained some momentum and some steam and i ended up winning my way through the whole season and um I only took a handful of losses by the end of the season. I took second in the regions uh, that was hosted at Clackamas. I beat everybody out, and I took second. So I qualified for national tournament, the Junior College National Tournament in Minnesota. And I went off and competed at nationals. And I'm one of the oldest that ever competed at the Junior College uh, National Wrestling Tournament. And uh, I went out there, and I got a win at the national tournament. I came up a little short with a guy that I beat five times that year, mm-hmm. and, uh, and I got knocked out of the tournament. But that experience was, was – w- it elevated my lifestyle. It elevated my inspiration to do something great in my life. You know, um, I realized that I had the potential to do great things, and that, that lifestyle was getting further and further away from me. And at that time I had, you know, um, four or five years clean now, you know, so things are going really well in my family, in my personal life, my athletics. I was that athlete. I always wanted to be finally. And, uh, you know, ESPN, uh, got wind of the story in the, in, 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 and, and what they found out was this 38 year old guys making a comeback in college qualified for nationals. So they followed me around and did a documentary and the biggest mind blower for them was the, 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 the past that I had, that I had overcome such a dark lifestyle and got sober and went on and competed at an elite level. And so they were intrigued and they did a 30 for 30. It's called out on outside the lines, mm-hmm. and it's get It's called getting off the mat. And, um, it's a great documentary on, on YouTube. Um, but with that, you know, I found out about the Masters, and I went on and competed for another nine years till 2016, oh. <laughs> and and I became a five-time All-American and a national champion in that division, you know. <laughs> and so, um, you know, what I did is I wrote my autobiography, and it's called it's called Be a Champion in Life, and it's Homeless to Champion is what it is, and it's about my my journey and my life story, uh, from struggles of addiction, but then also the struggles that I've faced the last 17 years, you know, making a comeback with all that baggage and just pushing through. It's about pushing through and having perseverance and never giving up on your dreams, you know, never give up on what you really want to do in your life and just go get it, you know? Um, I've been fortunate enough to go travel around the country also with my um, organization Be a Champion in Life and we speak to 50 60,000 kids a year around the country about dangers of addiction and poor choices and I encourage leadership and you know it's just uh it's just a great movement and 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 it's my way of turning something so bad into something so good and help help communities and kids all around the country today
0: Rich, we need to go over that again. You just said you speak to 50 or 60,000 kids every single year. Not 50 or 60 kids like a lot of people do. You know, you're talking right, 50 right. to 60,000 kids and you have an impact by speaking to them and sharing your story right in front of them. That's encouraging.
3: Yeah. Yeah, we have a we have an incredible program. I've been traveling and speaking this whole 10 years that I've been training also mm-hmm. and competing. And so we built a big following and And, uh, I started traveling about 11 years ago and speaking and where we're at right now. I mean, this year is kind of a weird time right now with all the restrictions, but last year, um, we spoke at, I think it was 48 different schools around the country. You know, we do, we do a program. I come in for the whole day. We do an assembly with all the students in the auditorium. Then we have discussion groups in the afternoon. And then I go meet the athletes after school. And this way we can reach all these kids from different angles. And, I believe we are out making a massive difference, you know, so uh, it's been uh, it's been uh, uh, it's been good to me because I know that I cannot, you know, I could not gain more internal wealth than giving of myself and sharing my experience with kids because I look back when I was a kid and and I look, you know, I think about what could have made the difference. And then I look at these kids today. All the things pulling at them, vaping and teen suicides, astronomically high, you know, and the the phones or they get obsessed on their phones and likes and all these things. And there's just a lot of split families and drama. And, and there, there's a lot of things pulling at these darn kids today. And, and you know, they want to hear real, real life stories real life solution and I think that they're they yearn for that kind of conversation and and so it's I feel it's my responsibility to bring it to the communities, you know.
1: Rich, this is uh Parker talking with you. Thanks for joining us. Um Hey Parker. Hey, hey. It's nice to meet you. Uh, I came into your shop uh last year with Kevin. So I just I just wanted you to, you know, talk a little bit about you know obviously you're doing all these speaking engagements but also you know the business that you own and operate and uh, a little bit about your book as well you know I know it's something that you took a a lot of time to craft put a lot of thought into and made sure it's something you know that that you're really proud of so uh, talk a little bit about your shop and and also your book when that came out and where people can get it.
3: Hey, I appreciate that, Parker. Thank you. Yeah, and I do have a small local automotive repair business. It's called Affordable Car Doctor. And, uh, you know, we're on our 10th year here in Portland. I've got a couple employees and myself. And when I'm not traveling, I'm down there trying to, uh, to take care of our local community and their automotive needs. You know, it's Affordable Car Doctor. Great, great little business. I have a great, loyal customer base. And, you know, I created that shop the same way I've found success in my personal life and everything else I do. It's about integrity. It's about being true to self. Um, and as far as my book, I, you know, Parker, it's my best work yet. You know, I spent 10 years trying to get it just right and trying to, trying to share the, the, the real, real message in it that, that would uh, have a really broad audience and, and that it, it, it that, that, it would touch everybody's life in some way or another, you know, and I get really intimate, honest and vulnerable in my book. And I talk about a lot of things about life and my family and how drug addiction affected the people around me. And then also, you know, how I got sober and how I went on to find some success and become a champion, you know, Mm -hmm. becoming a champion in life and the, the kind of things that I use to help keep me motivated. Um, but I, um, I wrote it in a way. It's 200 pages. I spent 10 years doing it. It was from a thousand-page script, and I got it down to 200 specific pages that that really um, anybody can relate to. And I wrote it so that kids could read it, um, and they could. It could be discussions in classrooms. In fact, there's schools already buying class sets for their classrooms to read chapter by chapter and discuss. And um, so it's been a um, it's been an exciting I mean, this is a tough time for everybody. The COVID in the last eight months, my speaking business is shut down until we get to the other side of this. But I've been fortunate enough to do a few things to let our followers and let people know that uh, we all need to stay hopeful, that Be A Champion's alive and well. I I, I published my book during this. I also got our tour bus all wrapped up beautifully with some of our sponsors and Be A Champion on it. So we've done a couple of big things to... Really let everybody know that we're not done yet. We're still moving forward. And uh, I'm going to try to figure out how to navigate in the corporate world, corporate leadership world, because they need to hear my message as much as the kids do.
0: Sure. You betcha. Hey, Rich. I think I
3: can bring a lot of value to them.
0: I, I know that you can, and it's been a pleasure to uh, kind of watch your growth. I mean, you've Yeah. I remember, uh, you know, four years ago when I uh, came across your shop and, now just go in there and uh, the friendly attitude that uh, that you and the other two guys have there—it's outstanding—and just keep doing the good work. And I uh, can't wait for you to hit back on the road next uh,
3: next spring. So. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. I'm excited about what you guys are doing, and I really appreciate you guys bringing me on. You know, I'm an old fart too, old old <laughs> old, old athlete myself. I would just. Uh, I was just uh, just hard enough to go make a comeback at an old age <laughs> yeah. well, it, never hurts, it was, so. it, it, was the, the mo- it was the best experience I could have ever ever done. It reshaped my life. It put me in a position to be that guy that I always wanted to be you know that athlete that I, that, that I was as a kid. Now I'm an athlete, I'm a coach, I'm a mentor today and, and, and I just love what I do and I'm just thankful that wrestling, was the key recipe for me to to really get through the hard times and get where I wanted to be and, and be where I'm at today. You know, needed yeah. sports needed, and these kids need sports today. You know, mm-hmm. and it's an unfortunate time for them all. You know, because sports, you know, is is the key recipe for a lot of the kids because that's where they're getting a lot of their mentorship is from their coaches and their guidance and stuff. So in school, you know, structure. And so this is going to be a tough time when we bounce out of this. I think kids are going to struggle a little bit. So I'm um, hey uh, hoping I can get through this and start reaching some more kids, Kevin. You got
2: it. Hey Rich, it's, uh, it's Rory, the uh, the third fart here with Old Fart Sports. Um, you talk hey, about, how's it going? Uh, you talk about Good. wrestling and uh, what do you think, why do you think wrestling sets the other sports apart? You know, why was that wrestling? Was why was that the sport that got you back?
3: Well, I think there's there's something to be said about you know it's it's a you know it's a it's a very it's a team sport, but it's also an individual sport. You know, for you to do well, there's a lot of things you have to do on your own. You know, um, and it's it's a lifestyle. It's really a lifestyle. It's a very passionate sport, and it's a lot of. Hard work. (laughs) You've got to put yourself through some serious, serious training to be a elite athlete in wrestling, you know, or even a high school wrestler or even a middle school wrestler. These kids, they put themselves through a lot of pain and agony and diet. And, you know, it's a tough sport. And I think when you can push yourself personally and you can test your abilities and test your mental toughness, I think. I think there's a lot to be said about who you become really trying to, um, to be a, a, a wrestler, you know, um, it's very demanding and, um, it's a great community too. Something i found is that I, and I travel all around, I deal with wrestlers all around the country and coaches. It's a great community and it's very inclusive, you know? And, um, for me, what I found was acceptance and I found being a part of, and, And and almost like a family, you know. Um, But, uh, you know, there's something about wrestling and life that really correlate, you know. If you can get yourself up off the... If you can get yourself... If you can overcome loss with another man or another athlete in a center of a mat with a 1,000 people watching or 10,000 people watching. If you can get up and get back after it. Boy, that says a lot about your character, you know. It says a lot about being able to overcome other struggles in life later, you know? Yeah. So I think it sets a tone. It helps these young athletes really get prepared for life, you know?
0: Rich Jensen, you're a champion in everybody's book, and uh, I'm sure that everybody will be able to recognize after they see your YouTube special, the 30 for 30 ESPN special, if they've not seen it. That's, that's just the beginning of what you have done and will do. So we appreciate you spending some time with us uh, on this rainy night here in Portland. Thanks a lot, Rich
3: thank you kevin you betcha thanks rich
0: rich jensen there you go guys uh you know one of the things that was going to kind of talk to him about at the end after rory's question but he kind of answered it anyway uh, yeah. and that's when you are a wrestler you not only have to think about what you're going to do next it keeps your your mindset going in baseball in yeah. football and basketball you have a time to reflect what you just did or how you're going to make the next move in wrestling, you have to do it instantaneously; otherwise, yeah, you're going to you know. find yourself pinned and lose that match. Right. And albeit I was not a big wrestler when I was younger, uh, it was something that we kind of voluntarily did in our PE class and stuff <laughs> like that. And you know, but when you look at it, uh, I give a lot more credit to wrestlers than I used to when I was, you know, a lot
1: younger. It's a tough sport, man. It mm-hmm. really is. And 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 like Rich talked about a little bit, it's it's a uh, unique sport where, you know, you're part of a team and, and everybody's results matter, uh, when it comes to tournaments and stuff, but really at the end of the day, it's also an individual sport. Um, and you know, I, I mean, even going beyond that just kind of shows you the power of sport in general, you know, just having that structure, having that, um, you know, need to have a strong work ethic in, in order to be successful, uh, it's a powerful thing.
0: definitely is a powerful thing. And, and uh, you know, if you have not seen the special, you definitely need to. I know I shared it with you guys in you know my recent conversations with Rich. Uh, I had seen it a couple of years ago. It was good to see it again. It kind of, uh, it's, I mean, he didn't share all of the story, but most right. of the story. Uh, you just need to watch it for your own self to kind of absorb all the factors that are involved in it. Because it it, you know it does touch certain people Mm -hmm. because certain people have had that uh, uh, Situation happen in their life others haven't but it also prepares you I believe for that situation if it and when it does It's inevitable it does happen, but uh, You know you'll see if you watch the special exactly what I'm talking about, but it's the early part of that that show but uh, yeah, just I mean he's I've known him for about four or five years now and uh, I felt the awe right away, and it continues on here some five years later. Right. So now you know why I wanted to share the story with not only you, but our listeners out there because it's yeah. unique. It's yeah. something totally different. If
2: he can do it, anybody can anybody do it. Anybody can do it. You, know?
0: the thing that it. you know, I reiterated it to him and said, You're not talking 50 or 60 kids at a time, you're talking to 50 or 60,000 within a year. Yeah. And he said he's been doing that for a decade. That's over a half a million kids that he's impacted right. by giving them his story and sharing what's, what he's gone through. So uh, invaluable it is, and uh, you know we're glad to bring it to you. Know, old fart sports with the old fart and the two wet ones.
4: Hi, folks. It's PodLand's number one producer, Liam Flanagan, and I just want to let you know about sponsors. If you're a business owner or manager and you are looking for a great way to get your product out there, becoming a podcast sponsor is just that. Podcasts are listened to all over the world. PodLand has had visits from places like Kenya, Ireland, Australia, Vietnam, and almost all 50 states. What's up, Alaska? Don't you like podcasts? Anyway, becoming a podcast sponsor could be the way to give your business the boost it may need to become a podland podcast sponsor contact me liam flanagan at liam at podland that's liam at podland dot productions
0: you, know, you had something that was on your mind about uh, watching a particular college game over the last weekend uh, I know that uh, there will be uh, next week we're going to speak with Brian Buchanan at the Blazers Edge about the NBA draft that will have taken place by then. And then the week following we're going to be talking with uh, Carlo Jimenez. And Carlo, hey. uh, while it not, may not be the, the name that you know yet, trust me, within the next five to ten years, you're not only going to know the guy's name, you're going to know the guy's voice. He has one of the most incredible sounds of an announcer that you'll ever hear. And, and the two of us, the three of us, had a chance to actually listen to him and meet him and get to know him. So the next couple of weeks, it's going to be some exciting times around with the farts. That's is
2: because The old Farts the young ones, and the wet ones, I think yep. you guys are
1: excited too. Absolutely. Can't wait and to get him on. You know, he's gone places. He's going, going places. Yeah. good. And
0: the line well, so yeah. we
2: Man, this past weekend—it's
0: not been your best
2: weekend. I—I'm not an Oregon State fan, but I was watching a game. You're becoming this one, I sense. Though, I, well, <laughs> I don't know. That's, That's true, that?
1: but uh yeah, uh yeah.
2: they lost uh, to the Cougs. Um Two straight years in football. Yeah. Anyways, I've got something to say, and I think it needs to be said. Football's been played for how many years now? a lot of them a a lot of years yeah Yeah. there's this one thing that people say (coughs) all the time football is a game of inches yes is that is that true it is
0: well and it should be the way it's played that it should be a game of inches but i think you say no
2: well last week oregon state at university of washington there was a play at the, uh, I think it was the third quarter, end of the third quarter. It was the end of the fourth. Yeah, end of the fourth. fourth. Yeah. End, of the, the end fourth. of the game. Yeah, well, almost any game. The Beeves, they're down at the goal line. They're at the four-yard line. It's third and one. Jamar Jefferson rushes up to the right side of the middle. He gets at least a yard, I at think. At least. At least. A at yard. least. Right. We all saw it on TV. The line judge comes up, puts the ball down, spots it, And he says fourth and inches. After well, before they brought out the chains. They brought
1: out the chains, yeah. Fourth and inch. Fourth is a fourth and a inch, basically.
2: Basically. Yeah. The very next play, they do the same thing, just flipped. He goes to the left up the middle. He gets at least another yard. At least a yard. At least another yard. And they call him short. They bring out the chains again. I mean, how old fashioned is that? You bring out the chains.
1: He didn't progress an inch. That's what they said. I
0: think I know what happened. It was the two guys on the commercial that have the chains, and the one guy goes into the bathroom. (laughs) bathroom You might. Did you use my shampoo? No, I didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, hey Bob, I did use your shampoo. (laughs) Yeah. That could be the fact. That could (laughs) could
2: be it. I just think that there's some technology out there, especially with Google Maps and you know the rest of it, GPS and navigation. They could put a chip in the ball and figure out exactly where the ball is and where – and someone up in the press box can yep. um, just say, you know, and the guys here on – you know, the referee on the field, hey, put it at the four-yard line yeah. or wherever it is. Three and a where, half. Yeah, three and a half. Yep. And they blew that call. And why – I bring twice. up They blew the call twice. And why I bring up that game, it was so important, right? The, the Beavs go 0-1 in their first game, and then they go up to Seattle. They're trying to be – The Huskies, but the Huskies go down after that play, go, what, 90 or 80 yards, and then they kick a field goal. So they lost 27 to 21. They would have probably scored a touchdown with Jamar Jefferson. He's a beast. He would have scored a touchdown. would have kicked a field goal. They probably would have won the game 28-27. These kind of things should not be happening. I mean, how long have we been playing football? It's insane.
1: We've been playing football for a long time, and there's been a lot of changes in the game. You know, when it, I mean, there's been a lot of changes in the game, and this one seems to be an easy one. And it's something that you and I, Rory, have been talking about for a while. It's, you watch any football game, and it's something that people just accept and look past, but someone will have a run, someone will have a pass play that goes 15 or 16 yards, and Some frickin' 40-year-old chubby guy runs up from 15 yards behind the (laughs) 40-year-old? 60-year-old. Yeah, yeah, old fart. (laughs) I didn't say he was old, but (laughs) whatever his age is, he's typically chubby. And he runs up from 15, 10 yards behind the play and just slaps the ball down. And everyone just accepts it. Like, he doesn't know. He's just looking and giving a guesstimation as to where that was. And it can have such a big impact on the game, especially late in the game. And that's what we saw this last weekend.
0: Well, and, you know, all the times that, you know, we've all seen little incidences like that kind of make the games what they are, unpredictable.
2: But in this day and age, you accept a bunch of other stuff. Instant replay, you know. um, we have the technology where you can see the, the, the first down line, the yellow yeah, line. freaking pylon that was cams. A, that was a while ago. we got pylon cams. Yeah,
0: but they've also said recently, hey, you can't
2: really take that yellow line for being the truth. And right. But it's so good for the viewer. You see it until, you
1: know. But I, I do agree that
0: there's a lot of times and a lot of instances where these officials and everything, and they put the ball in the wrong spot and do all that, and yes, it is a game of inches, and if you fall short at the one end, it does nothing but piss you off, and if it uh, falls yeah. the other way, it makes you nothing but happy. Uh, you know, one of the things that I've noticed lately is, having watched a lot of old fart-type sports events, uh, we'll stick with football, is that when you look at NFL highlights of NFL games gone past, yeah. You know, the running back in the backfield is no more than four yards back. Now they're seven yards back. Mm-hmm. Before it used to be where you had one offensive lineman in 1964. His name was Bob Brown who weighed 303 pounds <laughs> Now there's so many of them. And, you know, uh, the physique the, the Muscular build of all these players the speed uh, You know, maybe the the nuances of the coaching and everything it makes so much so much of a difference I think than before but then again it could be just the way i see things
2: yeah and um, i know a lot of officials in basketball and baseball and 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 volleyball um going to school i was involved with sports all all the time so these officials they're putting in a bad spot really i mean they're trying to do they're doing the best they can they're doing really a really great job but to put
0: we we have to remember too rory is that they never play a home game every single game for an official is a road game because right. it doesn't matter this side or the other side. Neither team likes it. Yeah.
2: I know. Sorry. Yeah. No, but they're doing the best job they can. But it's it's kind of like we have this this information and we can get this information and we just choose not to. Yeah. We just choose not to. And why? I I just I just don't get it's it. Like, it's kind of like the strike zone in baseball. Right. I mean, we're still doing it. We're still leaving it to a person to decide what's a ball in the strike. Well,
1: I mean, is even a few years ago they decided to allow replay. You I know. know when when that technology has been around for so long and it's so easy to correct a call that's been wrong uh, on, on whether someone was safe or out. And it, t- it takes so long because these people say they're you know, upholding the integrity of the game. But really, when you look at the rules, they're, they're getting it wrong. And and we right. have the ability c- to get it correct right. it.
0: And then it's different between American League to National League. You know, the strike yeah. zone is different. You know, albeit sometimes you can't tell, sometimes you can tell.
2: Yeah.
1: But, I
2: don't know, yeah. If we're really trying to yeah, if we're trying to create a fair game for everybody. Right. I mean, you you think you want to do that?
4: So you guys want to have robots take over instead? Just get rid of all the umpires and the referees. Here's no. the thing
2: yeah I don't a, a, a blend I think there
4: I
1: think a blend
4: of robots I think that there is referees. the
1: absolute ability for there to be a blend of robots and referees you, you take for instance baseball the strike zone you have an earpiece in the home plate umpire's ear and they say ball or strike when it's for sure a ball or strike when it's left when it's you know on the corner questionable you can leave it up to his discretion he gets instead he gets a beep in his ear something like that and then you still need them to call various types of plays you still need a home plate umpire to call somebody safer out at home you still need a home plate umpire to make lots of different decisions box all types of different stuff and so I think there is a place where you can find a middle ground where we're getting the calls right most of the time, but you still need those people to be involved in the game. You know? See, and
0: I think if baseball did something like uh, you know, maybe the, the base running, uh, you might have two viewings of the re- instant replay. Mm-hmm. Or, or no, let's do it the other way. you have one on the base pass, Yeah. Or you'd have two at the plate with stri- balls or strikes. So you have three for you as you are the offensive team and yeah. you would have 3, you know, when you you know you're at bat or even in the field.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: if you gave yeah. them three opportunities much like they do in the NFL, they give them the opportunity to make that call. Now, every single scoring play in the NFL is now under instant replay mm-hmm. and you know, I can see what uh, you know, Liam our producer is also talking about is that you know, do we want to make it to where it's, you know, half robot, half man or you know, what's going on there? and I, I kind of understand I see both sides of it maybe that's just part of me being an old fart but I've yeah. seen both the old and the new and well,
1: can you know filter out yeah. versus yeah. and I do well, too I mean yeah Sorry. I'll tell you what no
2: I'll tell you what you've seen you've seen games where they didn't have instant replay right and then that's come so like viewers viewers that are watching games today they get to see everything they can rewind it they'll get to see the replays they get to see all the different angles before that you didn't get to see it so you didn't know mm-hmm. you didn't know if 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 the if the referees made a mistake you couldn't just rewind right but now viewers at home especially covid everybody's watching on on TV and they're watching every little angle and and to to see if a call is wrong and then have it you know, hold up. It's just for a viewer,
1: it's hard, to, it's hard to watch. Growing up playing sports, we've all experienced it. I'm sure we've all won games because of a, a call that was wrong. We've all lost games because of a call that was wrong. Mm-hmm. And that will always be the case when you're playing youth sports, high school sports. Sure. You know, college is where it really starts getting into, uh, you know, televised stuff and the, and the technology's there. But when you're when you're talking about professional sports where people are getting paid millions of dollars, billions of dollars in revenue are coming in for all of these teams. You just want to see it called right. Yeah, no excuses. Know.
0: However, when you're a guy like James Harden and you turn down, what is it, $1. <laughs> $1. $1.5 million? $1.5?
1: Uh, uh, $50. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was 50
0: a year, yeah. yeah. No, something like that. It was $105 yeah. million dollars for a two-year deal to go to, what was it, Brooklyn?
2: Well, no, he turned down. No, he turned 105- to, stay in, to stay in Houston. Yeah, in Houston. Yeah. Yeah. So, Insane. You know, it, it's, it
0: made so little bit of sense that I didn't really pay attention to the, to the factor. But, you know, when you're talking about an athlete making that kind of money, yeah. when, you know, I know what they do in the NBA, excuse me, in the NFL, you are actually employed doing something else during the week. You fly into that town where your assignment is for the week, you view it as a ref his, yes it.
1: yeah as a referee. right yeah
0: and there's a, a team of what eleven people twelve people whatever it is I don't mm-hmm. even know anymore uh, you know you have a team of that many you're gonna watch the film of the two teams from the week before and do all your determinations yet you are making a hundred and eighty million hundred eighty thousand or two hundred fifty years yeah seven hundred thousand dollars in your job and yet you're looking at an athlete that makes that astromon- astronomical kind of money, right? And you're separating yourself, and you have to put, you know, hey, really, nah, the heck with him. He makes them, you know. Who yeah. knows? I mean, you know, we yeah. also don't know if maybe that that uh, official, maybe in the back of his mind, he's thinking about his brother that's, you know, uh, right, gonna right. or is, you know, maybe yeah, his yeah. mom or his dad just passed, or whatever. Yeah, right. You know, we, those are things that we don't know, but. Can't affect that call, and those are things that, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know if there's any right or wrong answer there, but... Uh, right.
2: Yeah, I mean, if the Bees wanted to win that game, they should have scored three more touchdowns, sure. right? If they wanted to really win that or game.
0: Get an extra yard
2: and a half. And wouldn't have to yeah, or to just a, s- yeah, score a touchdown on uh, third and one. But I'm going to keep pushing this, so... We want change. We, want change. we it's want change. Rule. We want change. We uh, want
0: change. I want change. i don't have change
3: working together we can make a change working together we can help better
0: and we're up and rolling again, rolling, 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 uh, like you were last week, Park. You've
1: been on a roll, buddy, man. You got it going. I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about what yeah. I've been doing. Uh, feeling last it? Are you feeling I
0: know it? what's happening. <laughs> I saw it. You were looking over Rory's
1: shoulder. Yeah, it's really all Rory. But, um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't want to give that up, but you gave it up. Sorry, I didn't um. But yeah, I mean, last week was another good week. It would have been a great week, uh, if not for a couple of minor things. But uh, yeah, we'll get into no it.
0: broken legs had a, any effect on any of this? I don't, I don't think so. or no, violations? No, it was more
1: uh, Hail Marys and, uh. you know, stuff like that. But.
0: Is there a certain person at this table who might be a little upset at that? There could
1: be, yeah. Nope. Yeah. Not anymore. Moving on. There you go. That's good. But uh, yeah, so week ten, my first game of the week was the Houston Texans at your Cleveland Browns. I said uh, I was a little bit concerned about the three and a half point spread, but I was going to take Cleveland, and if they didn't pull through, I, w- I was going to lose a significant amount of faith. Uh, what happened? They won ten to seven.
0: Didn't you see
1: why they I did see that. That was yeah. crazy, man.
0: Yeah, was, uh, yeah. He was doing exactly what he was instructed to by not only his head coach, but also his quarterback. Whatever you do, slide. He was, slide, he <laughs> went out of bounds. <laughs> yeah. He was going to go in for a touchdown. Right, he was by himself. And he goes, if I do that, they could come back and score. Yeah. If I don't, we can kneel twice. And it was, and was, was smart.
4: It was I mean, smart.
0: Yeah, but
1: uh you imagine having Chubb on oh fantasy? Oh gosh. <laughs> Either fantasy or like with, you know, yeah, 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 exactly.
0: Know. yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, would have covered the spread. Would have covered the spread. And, the spread. and, and yeah,
2: personal stats for sure at the end of the year. If he's one touchdown away from like $500,000, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: man, he's going to be. Mm. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so they won 10 to 7. I took him on the money line, so we got that one. Uh San Francisco 49ers playing at the New Orleans Saints. real shame to hear about Drew. 5 broken ribs and a collapsed lung. And he, if I'm not mistaken he finished the game, right? He
0: didn't finish the game. Oh, okay. He go back. He played game, after he, it. he ended Okay, up yeah, yeah. With, uh, uh, Peyton, with yeah. You know but the guy's tougher than i've ever given him credit for being (laughs) super tough especially this stage in his career
1: you know i think 68 (laughs) yeah do
2: you see the the medical team that he's got with him at home you see that photo
1: well all of his kids were around him and yeah it it was a funny picture san francisco at the saints I took the Saints on the nine and a half point spread and uh, they covered 27 to 13. So two for two. Uh, Game three, we had the Los Angeles Chargers playing at the Miami Dolphins. I was a little bit afraid of the spread, even though it was two and a half points. I took Miami on the money line. They ended up winning by eight. So uh, ding, three for three. Number four minnesota vikings at the chicago bears and i took minnesota again on the money line despite a, a two and a half point spread would have would have uh, covered the spread but uh, they did win 19 to 13 and then uh we get to the buffalo bills playing at the arizona cardinals uh what a play at the end of the game that was uh definitely unexpected Definitely exciting to watch and they won that game on a Hail Mary. I had Buffalo um, The spread was actually Arizona minus one and I took Buffalo on the money line It was looking good and then the old Hail Mary So I didn't get that one four for five on my individual games I was really excited as well about my five-way parlay and some unfortunate circumstances Got Green Bay, got New Orleans, got Pittsburgh, got Las Vegas, didn't get Baltimore. And that was a, another interesting game. Uh, do you see, the, rain that rain was unbelievable. Oh I mean, it was, it's literally like when you're watching a movie and it's just dumping and you're like, it doesn't rain like that anywhere. But that's how it was. Yeah, it, was. it was insane. Yeah. It's
2: a lot of drop balls. Oh, my God.
1: So, yeah, five-way parlay didn't go through, but four for five on the individual picks, four for five in the parlay, even though that doesn't mean anything. So, overall, I'll take it. It is not a bad week, but... Uh, you know,
0: and, and let's let everybody know that uh, mm-hmm. you, know, you play at your own risk.
1: Absolutely. But... No guarantees here.
0: For what you're doing and the amount of games that you're going with your parlay of five, Yeah. you know... Uh, People
1: maybe need to be selective of the picks that you're offering. Sure. Because if they were right on the four
0: games that you did pick right, Mm -hmm. they'd be sitting on a fat wallet.
1: Yeah, I'm giving you five that I think will go through. But if you want to go for three, I I mean, there's still probably a few situations where you could go three, four-way parlay and still be at, uh, you know, plus something on the odds. So, uh, yeah, think about that. Think about that if you're out there listening. But... um, I got week eleven already to go as well. Okay. Week eleven? Oh my god. Week eleven. It's <laughs> <laughs> nuts. Yeah. Getting ready for the playoffs soon. But uh, I'm going Miami again. We're gonna we're gonna do Miami again. Miami Dolphins playing at the Denver Broncos. Could be a little bit interesting. Don't know what the weather's gonna be like. Uh, probably should take that into consideration, but I didn't. I think Miami is playing well. Uh, you know, mile high could be a factor, but I like Tua. Uh, I, I was questioning the decision when it first happened, but I like Tua uh, and I'm gonna take Miami on the spread at minus three and a half for that game. Well and it kinda looks like
0: Drew Locke's playing on
1: the yeah. strength. Yeah. Yeah. And yep. happens or doesn't it's, it's at the end of the year. Right. Right. So yeah, I'm taking Miami, minus three and a half at Denver. Game two, I got the Kansas City Chiefs at the Las Vegas Raiders. Last time these guys played earlier in the season, the Raiders were at Kansas City and they they won. That was that was kind of a shocker, I think, to a lot of people. But.
4: Did you hear about
0: the uh, circling wagons around the stadium after the game was over? The uh-uh. bus driver for. For the uh, Raiders,
1: yeah. Drove around the you know, circle around the stadium. A little victory a lap. Victory oh, lap. oh gosh. gosh. So that did not set well. <laughs> and, that's not good. Uh, we'll see if the revenge factors we'll in. We'll see. There you go. That that helps me out even more. the The spread is Kansas City minus seven. I typically would think that's not bad, but considering the last game, I would I would rather avoid a push at seven, and I'm going to take KC. Winning the game, take them on the money line at minus 286 at Las Vegas. Uh, game three, we got the Los Angeles Rams at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Similar situation. Last time these guys played, it was in Tampa Bay, and the Rams came away with a win. I think it's going to be another situation where uh, there's a little bit of a revenge factor, and there's also you know, the, the saints without uh, breeze there. I think Tampa Bay is really going to be pushing to try to get some uh, momentum and, and uh, really secure that uh, spot for the playoffs. So I'm taking Tampa Bay despite a minus three and a half spread. I'm going to take them on the money line just to be safe. Uh, number four, Philadelphia Eagles at Kevin's Cleveland Browns and uh again another situation like last week minus three and a half i do think they probably will cover the spread i I think they definitely should cover the spread but you were talking to me a little bit earlier about some covid uh situations going on especially on the line there
0: yeah it's not the one where you're actually out you have to see
1: who you monitor sure right right right. contact contact tracing Yeah. yeah Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, I'm going to take Cleveland at minus 182. It's really not going to be much worse odds than if you were to take them on the spread anyway. So Cleveland minus 182, I'm taking that. And the last game, Green Bay Packers at the Indianapolis Colts. This could be a very good game. Spread, a little surprising to me, was Indy minus two. And I'm going to take Green Bay at plus 110 on the money line. I think this is kind of the time of the year where Philip Rivers' arm starts detaching from his body and I, I like the way that Aaron's been playing and I think they're going to win the game in Indianapolis so I'm taking Green Bay plus 110 on the money line and I'll leave everybody with a nice little five-way parlay as usual. This week I'm going to go Pitt, Kansas City, the Los Angeles Chargers. Herbert getting oh a win. Gosh. Minnesota and Miami. Speaking of Herbert, did you see that haircut? Oh, yeah. I wish I didn't. I wish I
0: didn't.
1: He had the flow yeah, of going. Let me, let me pop one here. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say that really makes the acne stand yeah, out. It's a dot to dot situation. <laughs> <laughs> Why? And it, yeah. it's, it's really just a, a pretty standard buzz, yeah. but it, yeah. What do you think I he's trying like to the do look? there?
2: Trying to get out of the slump? Trying to win a game? Could be. No, Could be month, it. Mom held him down and the dad brought in the
0: shirt. <laughs> They went to town on the poor kid. Yeah. So
1: anyway, that's the
4: way it goes
1: but, yeah, us. man, that guy's been playing good, man. Really good. You I know, know. I, I obviously am a – it should be obvious at this point. I'm a beef, not a duck, but – that guy's been playing really good. I saw, I saw, I think it was ESPN or uh, Bleacher Report or something has him ranked as the number one rookie this year. Yeah. And he hasn't for got sure. a win, right? Yeah, no, he hasn't. Yeah. And, Crazy. Uh,
0: I saw that. What also that their uh, point differential is only like minus thirteen or something. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, they've oh, all yeah. been close. Yeah. He can
1: sling it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, he can sling it. That's for sure. That's yeah results again next week when we uh, see how Parker did. and that's another episode of none other than Old Fart Sports with the Old Fart Kevin Herbst along with P. Huff and Roar Dog it's yeah, been, yeah. gentlemen it's been real
1: it's been fun it's been real fun guys Yeah.
4: This has been a Podland Productions production, recorded at Downstairs Studio in Portland, Oregon. For more information on Podland and for more Podland podcasts, go to podland.productions. While you're there, subscribe to the email newsletter for sneak peeks, giveaways, and more. Thanks for listening.
3: Podland Productions.